Vulnerability and empathy, two really, really popular concepts in our world, pop culture and professional. Is that enough to bring about healing? Is that enough to create a secure bond? Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. So we've been in a special guest series for a while. We're so thankful to Sue, to uh, Leanne Campbell, to Catherine DeBrun and to George for coming on and just sharing some expertise, switching up voices. You get to hear their hearts. We look forward to doing some more of that soon. I wouldn't name names, but I'm not going to do that right yet until we uh, get some official uh, stuff recorded. Also, we're just so glad and we're excited. You know, um, it's been rejuvenating to once again see you all in different trainings and different experiences. I was just in a training with George today, Ryan, and, and one of the people said something that I really She said, on behalf of my clients, I thank you. My clients, if they were here, they would thank you mm-hmm. for the things that you all are doing to help help me and help them at the same time. So I really thought that was special. And so also as me and Ryan are coming back, hopefully we should sound a little bit different in your ears. We made some a few equipment upgrades to just get better at this because I just felt on my heart, you know, a lot of what's conveyed in, 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 in emotion is um, tone. And so, you know, we recognize as listening to you, I think about all of you when you're listening on exercise, walks, and in your car. Uh, I want this to be a comforting experience for you as we do challenge for growth. And so uh, we did make an upgrade. So thank you once again for your support that made that possible to be able to support some upgrades to improve our quality. And we're hoping we can do more things to make this experience better. But I want to make a transition. So vulnerability and empathy. You know, I, I think about it as ingredients for a secure bond. I was in New Orleans, Ryan. And in New Orleans, I really came to like gumbo. And in gumbo, there are a lot of ingredients in gumbo. <clears throat> and they all are necessary. They just add a different flair, the right kind of sauces, the right kind of Cajun seasoning, the freshly cut onions, bell peppers, and, and all the different things in the okra and the shrimp and the crab meat. I could keep going on and on. But all those ingredients, if you just take them by themselves, not really anything special to them. But then they also needed this one ingredient to be added to them to really make them pop. And in New Orleans, it's called filet powder. If you want to make a good New Orleans gumbo, it's filet powder. And so with vulnerability and empathy, great, great elements, great ingredients. But we need to add something to them in a secure bond to really make them pop and help make the bond secure. What would you like to say about that, Ryan? Well, first of all, I love gumbo. <laughs> Uh, in fact, if you want to just cut off this episode and go get some gumbo, I'm up for that right now. I know where it's at. <laughs> no, that's right. And I think it's a good clarifying point. It's something I've seen a lot in trainings lately in supervision. Um, so I'd lo- I think it's a, a really important clarification point. That's the sort of main point of our episode today. Let me back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was first starting to pursue supervision in EFT, which is about 10 or 11 years ago. And, and George Fowler, our mentor, um, one of our mentors, he said, can you work with emotion? And uh, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm a therapist. Um, he was talking about something a good bit different than what I thought he was talking about. He kind of meant, it's kind of like saying, can you wave a stick in the air? 
or can you orchestrate the Boston Symphony? <laughs> right, a little different game there, mm. you know. And that's the difference between working with emotion and really, really being um, proficient in EFT. You know, it's knowing the rhythm of this thing. It's knowing when to ask trumpets, so to speak, to stop. It's knowing when to add more percussion or less percussion. When we're looking for the woodwinds or the brass, now I've exhausted all my knowledge of symphonies. <laughs> uh, but we're really orchestrators. So if you think about the role of an EFT therapist, we call ourselves process facilitators. We are process. We are facilitating a process uh, from a humanistic stance, of course, an active stance more than most approaches, but also a tentative stance mm -hmm. where we're open for correction all the time. So focus is one of our main points, maybe the main point of this podcast. Uh, one more foundational idea. You know, there's a trend in our profession away from model specificity. And I respect that. I even agree with some of the sentiments. But overall, I, I think we're pushing the opposite. Hmm. It's not as much about pushing EFT as pushing clarity. Um, but I do think EFT it, it does a great job of uh, both honoring people and tapping into some of the deepest motivations of humans being attachment. All that to say, what are we facilitating? What exactly are we facilitating? So what we're seeing sometimes, to the point, is vulnerability comes out at different times in our office. And empathy comes out at different times in our office, even in very difficult settings. Even in a, you know, session seven or session eight, which is just known to be difficult, right? The newness of the process is now worn off, but we're not far in the process enough to really have many corrective experiences. So those are just, that's just a window of, of high reactivity. But even in very distressed relationships, vulnerability will come forward and empathy will come out. And what I've seen people think about or the way they approach it in, in supervision and trainings is when vulnerability comes out, the therapist thinks the job is done. Or when empathy comes forward because it feels good, we think that the secure bonding is happening and, and, and such is not the case. So our answer to this uh, episode title is no. Vulnerability and empathy, in fact, d does not make a bond. So when we get to vulnerability and empathy, which takes some time and some work, by the way, our brains need to click on that this is now where the client needs us once again. They needed us back in reactivity. They needed us doing CPR type things with blocks. Now that they are more open and vulnerable, and now that these beautiful parts of them, their vulnerability, their empathy for their partner come out, they need our facilitation more specifically, and I'll kick it back to you here, more specifically, can I convert vulnerability to a risky reach? Mm. In other words, can I help them put out a, a more clear, more concise signal to the partner, which is different than just general vulnerability? General vulner vulnerability tends to get general responses. A specific, clear, vivid signal really ups the odds of the partner being on the same channel. And the converse is also true. Oftentimes when I have someone do an enactment or I see supervisees do an enactment, the, the responding partner 
gives an empathic response. And again, the therapist often thinks they're there. But in fact, empathy is not secure attachment. Empathy is when someone has general empathy, they need the therapist to move towards them to refine that empathy and convert empathy into responsiveness. So convert empathy to an actual comfort behavior. So a vulnerable risk with a clear signal and comfort response is what makes this go. So vulnerability and empathy are a part of those, but in and of themselves, they're just ingredients and don't make the gumbo taste as it should. Ryan, that was a lot there, and I feel my mouth watering not for just the gumbo, but for really getting clear. This is what we're doing as attachment-related therapists. But let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll come back and expand on that some more. Do you want more help getting focused in your work with relationships and distress, but you need it to fit into your already busy schedule, and you want it to be affordable? Check out successandvulnerability.com. Success and Vulnerability is an excellent online video-based curriculum developed by a team of EFT trainers, supervisors, and therapists who share their unique insights and therapeutic styles to help you succeed at working with relational distress. The SV program is for therapists at all stages of development who want to grow in their ability to work with emotional and relational distress. Success and Vulnerability is also a great tool to help supervisors increase their effectiveness and supervision to help give focus expert feedback for to help people get better in their work with couples and families and even individuals success and vulnerability uses multiple forms of learning from didactic to experiential exercises and actual clinical cases with commentary to help you learn the micro moves of emotionally focused therapy we look forward to be a part of helping you and your clients have success where it matters most in vulnerability. So Ryan, I think that's big. And, you know, in when we are in when couples are in reactivity or families are in reactivity, when you know, when any relational dynamics in reactivity, good convention, good intentions do not convey in negative cycles. Please hear that. Good intentions do not convey. So even your vulnerability that means it doesn't get across always so clear. And then even if you have empathy, empathy that's not clearly shared intentionally. By the way, our clients feel like, do we really have to do it like this? Yes, because we've got to be super focused and super clear uh, because of the pain that the, rea- the negative cycle has left behind. So, I mean, this is, this is challenging. And I like it because it's good attachment work too, by the way. If vulnerability comes out, we need to have, give it room to have some success and actually accomplish what it's coming out to do which is to draw an empathic response. If empathy is activated, because that's the part of the care, this is adult attachment, by the way. If the care-seeking behavior of the adult comes forward, we want it to have success. But also, as we not just talking about a, attachment theory as it relates to children, we're talking about adult attachment from Philip Shaver and Mario Michelancer. They also have the caregiving capacity. If the caregiving capacity is activated, we want to give it a chance to have some success here. So that's the clear parts with vulnerability. If it pops through, get it clear, get it hot, pass it over. And then if empathy shows up in the room, get it clear, not just, oh, man, look at that tear in your eye for your partner here. Could you turn and tell your partner that this tear right now is 
I see your pain and even the ways in which my shutting down has hurt you. And I just so badly just I feel bad for you and want to comfort you in that place where you're hurting. Those intentional moves need to happen. Yeah. And we want to put ourselves in the shoes of the listener. This is hard work. It really is. And uh, lack of clarity on the therapist's part can really contribute to this. Also, exhaustion is a factor. I mean, it's a lot of work. I can't tell you how many times I've walked out of session dripping with sweat, right? Especially when you're working with reactivity and those blocks. Mm -hmm. So you can spend up almost all your energy just trying to get to vulnerability. Yep. And it feels so good to get there. When you see someone take a downshift from blame into here's my pain, it feels awesome. And uh, I think we're t- it's tempting in those moments to feel like you're there and sort of just let the moment pass. And that's what we want to encourage people is like, um, sorry to use sports metaphors again, <laughs> but you know, we, we've, we've cleared the defense. Let's don't take a knee at the 10-yard line. Mm. Let's go score the touchdown, right? So, but, but exhaustion is a factor. Vulnerability is a wonderful thing. Empathy is a wonderful thing. Either one of them can create shifts, which are very, very valuable in your office, but they don't reset the culture of the relationship to secure. So, for instance, let's get practical. Someone is stuck in blame, and you're using temp, you're using rave, you know, reflection, acceptance, validation, curiosity, and, and our presence and our attunement and our safety, therapist to one client, if it's done well, can really, really slow that person down. And, the, and they shift from blame to, let's say the word alone. Mm. I feel really alone. Mm-hmm. So to the therapist's body, that often feels like that is a clear signal. Mm-hmm. But alone is a really, really common um, inadequate description that cre- to, to create a corrective experience. Okay, mm-hmm. so alone is is about half emotion and half meaning. Mm-hmm. It's more of a description than it is a sensation. It's not so much body that level of attachment and and body level of attachment really is our target. And alone can even can even have a little twenty percent of accusation there, <laughs> like you've left me alone. So when I get alone, I want to use rave. I want to reflect. I want to validate the pain of that. I want to take on the sensation of being alone. I want to feel it. I want to respond back with a painful expression in my eyes that's that's humanistic and attuned. And then I want to distill it further. Right. So you feel really alone right at this time when you most need someone and you deserve to have someone, you once again, the cycle has you feeling really alone. So in this place where you feel so alone, what happens for your heart? See, so I'm, go- I'm distilling it more. I'm going through alone to get a more poignant description mm-hmm. of a primary emotion or something which is a clearer signal to the partner about the pain. Mm-hmm. That's more of an invitation. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And then where I guess I jump in with it, and I'm catching this, and it's happened to me in my own tapes. You've had to tell me in a live, or I've seen it in supervision. Someone gets that alone, and man, they resonate with it so well. 
and they feel like they've accomplished it. And then they go over and start something else with another person. I don't know if I'm switching it too fast. But if you get that kind of place where they talk about alone, but then they talk about the sadness of the alone place and the protection they do to deal with that, to not be alone and to not feel the sadness, convert that to a vulnerable response. Because typically they don't share that when the negative cycle hits their body and they feel that pain in that alone place, they might get angry or they might just shut down and their partner never gets to see all their partner brain codes is once again, I've either failed you or you hate me. So they don't get to hear about the pain of, I don't know. So that's why I want to even get that converted over. Absolutely. And, and sadness is a completely different experience than alone. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different level uh, for, for the responding partner to hear about sadness, to hear about the pain is very, very different. <laughs> I'm playing with sounds, but that's a key. That's a key point that I want Ryan to say. I, when I say that to people in training, they're dumbfounded when I say aloneness is not an emotion mm-hmm. to pass. It has a little bit of blame. It's more of a description. And then because the other person can say, but I've been right here the whole time. Right. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, if we're trying to be as simple as possible, and this is oversimplified, the things we want to pass are going to be down the chain of hurt, down the chain of fear, or down the chain of sadness. And as a rule, mm-hmm. most of your enactments in stage one, at least, are down one of those three chains. Mm-hmm. If they're not, there's a pretty decent chance that you're, you might be partially stuck in story. And story is not as engaging. It's not as vulnerable. It's not as clear. So staying with it a little bit longer to get it distilled out to a clear signal becomes our task in these moments. So let's flip the sides for a moment. The number one thing, most often thing that I see and it is so confusing when I see it on tape, when I see it in my um, trainings or in my own office, I actually feel sorry for the therapist because it's very, very tricky. So my, my partner turns to me and, and says something really vulnerable. The therapist does their job, which is, first of all, honor the risk. I so appreciate what you just did right there. I saw that. That took a lot of courage. I'm touched by that. Great job, James. And then turns to me, the partner, and says, Ryan, right here today, mm-hmm. you saw something was very different about the level James shared that right here in this office today. It's very important that you qualify it like that. When you heard about James' sadness, what happens for you? One of the most common um, occurrences of empathy that is not distilled enough to create attachment is they'll say, I don't want him to feel that way. And they'll say it in really good timing, and, and that's very empathic. And, and that's good, but it just needs a little bit of help. Because I don't want you to feel that way is also saying you shouldn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so we want to stay with and distill that further. So the same way we, we want to distill alone we also want to take some time to distill, I don't want them to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So some, this is, we, we usually say why is not a great question in therapy. This is one of the few times where why is a winner. Because if someone is, is expressing empathy, but it's not a comfort behavior, why is your friend? Because there's almost always gonna be an attachment answer. So you don't want your partner to feel that way. Tell me more about that. Why don't you want them to feel that way? They'll often sort of auto-convert into, because I love her, because I care about her. 
I want to be there. And now we've created secure a secure attachment moment by going through the vulnerability to get to a clear signal, by going through and with empathy to convert it to a comfort-attuned responsiveness. And now we have at least one experience of secure bonding. And so I think in my kind of closing idea here is this is good. If you're watching your tapes now, this is something you could go do practically to help yourself. Watch your tapes and just think about it in the moment. When you see vulnerability pop through in the session, do you give it a chance to speak? Do you let their vulnerability have a voice to say, and not just say it out loud, but to turn and look into the eyes of their partner and share it? I was training with one of our, I was doing a session with one of our EFT supervisors. This is a good story about it here, maybe. One of our EFT supervisors, Debbie Pridemore. You should look up Debbie Pridemore for EFT supervision. And uh, she was seeing the couple. She speaks three languages. Yeah, Portuguese, it's Portuguese, Spanish, and English. Three more than I can really speak. <laughs> and in uh, the, the with Jar did say something vulnerable to Debbie, and Debbie caught it, and Debbie heard, it, and she had distilled and got to it. And Debbie says she takes the vulnerability. Could you turn right now, and say to your partner and loads it with the message. And the withdrawal blocks by saying, smiling and looking at Debbie, but I just said it to you. And Debbie's comeback was really good. So I'm giving Debbie all the credit here. I know, I know. You did just say it to me. And I really appreciate you saying it to me. And I, I guess I'm just kind of curious. Maybe it's a little bit harder to look into the eyes of your partner and to share and to say this part about this part of you. But could you do it right now? Could you turn and look at your partner? <laughs> and it was a different shift. What Debbie did is she got the part, the person's vulnerability and she put it to use and they had to take, they had to do it in the midst of the vulnerability. So that was big for me. Um, and then also as you watch your tape, if you do see vulnerability come through and you pass it and the person, watch that person lean in when you do enactments, do you see any form of empathy begin to come through? Do you see a tear in their eye? Do you see their hand go over and touch the partner on the leg? I was doing a family session just the other day, Rain. And in the midst of the share, one of the family members put their hand on the other family member's leg. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Man, right as this person, as they were there and they were talking, your hand jumped off and went onto their lap. What is your hand saying in that place? That I just love them so much. And I'm so sorry for the hell that they've been in and what they've been going through. Boom, they just both, both break. That empathic response got to come through. Um, and we got to put it to clear place, so. I want to give just a un, unashamed shout out to our people. And so apologize for this. Bear with me. But in Arkansas, we have a list of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about 11 supervisors. And every single one of them has been a huge blessing, a huge investment in James and myself. And they're just really, really good at this, too. So if you're somewhere listening to this, looking for someone to uh, supervise you or consult on a case, Every one of these folks is excellent. So quick shout outs to Ben Story, um, Charlie Simpson, Bill Carpenter, Lisa Schroyer, Megan Jones, Carrie Craig, Debbie Pridemore, our own Chad Imhoff, the director of the RCEFT Center, and uh, of course, James and myself. So we just want to say thank you to them for their investment in us and let you know that they're out there and doing great work. You know, this is confusing for us. As I said, I kind of feel sorry for the therapist sometimes because once again, it's hard work. It's exhausting to even get to this level. And then to realize now that you're at this level, which feels so good, we got work to do. 
we need you to move towards this and facilitate this. So imagine two quick scenarios. Mm. And just to show that this is actually common sense and, and not that much nuance. You're walking down the street. Real slow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, and you see somebody that you know, that you care about, and they are just weeping. And you don't know what's going on. So you, you, you pull over, walk to them, and maybe you kind of squat down and say, James, what's going on? Mm. And James is weeping. And can you imagine he looks up to you and says, I'm really alone. <laughs> it, 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 it would be beautiful, but it's not really telling you what's going on, right? It's more of a description of how he's processing some other kind of pain. You understand? People don't cry just because they're alone. If they're alone and everything's going the way they want to in life. He was just telling you his attachment location, but he's not telling you what it feels to be in that attachment exactly. location. Exactly. It's not a signal of what exactly to comfort, right? And then the converse of this. Imagine you go to a playground and, um, I don't know, a three-year-old little boy falls down, skins his knee, and he cries, right? Mm -hmm. And his parent goes over to him. And, and leans halfway over and puts their hand on their chest and says, Johnny, I don't want you to feel this way. <laughs> that, that would seem crazy, right? Because yeah. that's not actually comforting. No. Um, it might be empathy, but it's not comfort, right? The, the child gets comfort when we move towards them and we do comfort behaviors, right? So this is a very simple concept. To bond, someone has to get a clear signal of where their heart is. Can I make sure we get everything yeah. out of what you just because yeah. it's a powerful example. Go ahead. Um, just to even picture, like if you could right now, just literally picture that, that scenario playing out in front of you. Like literally it took me to New Orleans City Park. I'm eating beignets in the Cafe LA right now. And to see a child go down the slide, fall, be hurting and crying. And a mom, there is some place where you can tell the mom cares because she's knocking the dirt off the kid's knees. But like, Johnny, what are you doing? Johnny, oh, no, 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 that, that kind of thing. I don't want you to be crying, Johnny. I don't want you to be hurt. How does that feel to watch that? But let me fast forward the scene. The mom catches the moment. And the mom's like, oh, Johnny, I'm so sorry. I see your bloody knee, Johnny. Mommy's so sorry. I know this hurts so much. Mommy's sad even that this is hurting you. How does that scene hit you different? That's what we're trying to do with our adults. Absolutely. You know, and... It, I know this is a silly example. We're overdoing the example. But if mom were to like go, I don't know what to do here, mm. I would say, put your arm around him. Rub his back. Less is more. God. Right? It's comfort. It's comfort more than anything else. Like right? Just be with them in that place. Uh, withdrawers in particular get signals. They're supposed to like hit 19 calculus points, right, for to make a bond. It's like less is more. You know, they can feel whether you're with them or not when someone's in pain. So I think that's what's really key, and that's what makes the secure bond, and that's really all EFT is, is one secure bonding experience after another, one mission at a time. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, ryanreynatraining.com. 
You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.